to walk in the Spirit, and that's the Holy Spirit. Because, let's face it, when we're full of the Holy Spirit, there's certain things we're not going to do. And I said this before, uh, you know, we're, we're going to be more patient with people. We're going to be more compassionate with people. We're going to be more loving with people. So, when we get filled with the Holy Spirit and we're spending time with God, that's why Jesus talked about in John that we have to abide in Him. We have to abide in Him. That's the only way we can overcome the works of the flesh. Because we can't do it, I, talk, I said this before, we can't do it out of our natural mind. Our natural bodies or our natural mind. Now, I've seen where, I've been in churches, especially when we were living in Connecticut, I've been in churches where you have people who are seeking and then when they come to church, the pastor will give them position, position like that they may be an usher or maybe a deacon, but they're not fully saved. Well, not fully saved. They're not saved. They're just seeking. So they're going to go into works of the flesh quite often because they don't have the Holy Spirit in them to keep them from doing those things. And that's the only way we can keep from doing those things by the Holy Spirit. So, as I said, even though we cannot see our sin nature, we can see the work that it produces. Alright, so, the thing about this, we are all susceptible to our old nature. And that's where the enemy will try to keep The enemy will try to keep us from walking in the Spirit. Why? Because, have you ever been where you go to work and you're good, and you, know, you spend time with the Lord that morning, and then something happens? Because the enemy wants to trip us up. He wants us to get in our flesh. He wants us to not walk in the Spirit. And, and that's what he's trying to do. Basically, he's trying to bring a distraction to us. And if he brings that distraction, then that flesh is going to rise up. And that old nature is going to rise up. Right? doesn't mean we're going to go out there and kill somebody. doesn't mean we're going to go out there and, and fornicate, commit adultery, and those things. But it may mean that, hey, we may get angry. Right? We may get frustrated. Where if we're walking in the Spirit, now, nah, that wouldn't happen. Right? Well, that, that wouldn't happen. So we have to be on the lookout for those things, especially when the enemy's coming, and he and he's going to work through people. And see, with me, I don't usually get caught off guard by unsaved people. It's usually people that are saved that I may get caught off guard with. Right. So we have to be leery. We, we have to be watchful of those things. Amen. So it's important for us to crucify our flesh. And Crucifying our flesh means we have to put to death. So there, there's mean that there, there, there's things we're gonna have to cut off. See, some people like and I've mentioned this before, and I told y'all before I've mentioned things over and over, so it gets ingrained in us, right? There's some things we have to cut off. Some people cannot watch certain action movies, right, where other people may be able to, right? But no Christian should be watching a horror movie. Amen. But I do know Christians that do watch horror movies, but they should not be watching a horror movie. Because the Bible tells us to abstain from all appearance of evil. So we should that should not be an enjoyment to us. Right? Because that is evil, that is not of God, and that is works of the flesh. Amen. So we have to be careful sometimes, and especially when it comes to the church, because what we do nowadays is we teach people how to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. We teach people how to hear the voice of God, and how do we do that? Uh, you know... They'll say, and, I, and I've heard it uh, personally, where people will say, well, just listen to your conscience, right? When you pray, listen to your conscience. Okay. So, well, first, let me give you a definition of conscience. Conscience means a moral sense of right and wrong. Here's the problem with that. 
our conscience can be theologically wrong. Right? So let me give you an example. We know what the Bible says about homosexuality, right? I, I, we all know that, right? So we know that there's churches that full of homosexuals and say that it does not exist no more, right? But so now they, they can say, well, they heard from God on this, but they're wrong because it doesn't line up with the scripture. So it's like I always say, God will never go against what's in the Bible. Ever. He won't go against what's in the Bible because Jesus is the word. Right. And the word of God is Jesus. Amen. Amen. So we have to understand that. So there was an example that happened, uh, something, well, something that happened, I don't know if it was, I think it was either last week or I can't remember when it was, but a certain former president's son uh, got up and spoke at, I would call it political rally, but there was Christians there. And then this is what he said. He says, it is time out for us turning the other cheek. And then he said, that doesn't work anymore. Okay, well, here's the problem I have with that. That place was full of Christians, and they cheered that. They're in their flesh, because that, go against, that goes against the Word of God. That's right. Now, this president's son, I don't think he's saved, right? But some of the people that were in there were probably saved. And this is supposed to be a Christian organization that's supposed to be a political organization. But they're fighting things from the flesh, so that's why they could cheer a statement like that, because they're not in the spirit. They're in the flesh. So the fact that they cheered that is dangerous to the body of Christ. Let's turn to uh, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 3. So here, Paul is speaking because there are certain things that are going to take place. And I talked about this a while ago. Um, I know it was a good while, so I haven't, I haven't mentioned it in, in, in recently. But, alright, so beginning at verse 1. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. So perilous times will come. Perilous times will come, so we have to be careful of that because... What does perilous mean? I have the definition around here somewhere. Yes, I have. Oh, I got it right here. All right. Perilous means hard to take. Hard to take. So, that's going to be for believers and unbelievers. Why? Because what Paul is about to describe here for Timothy, he's actually talking about what's going to take place for the believers, the churches, Christians. What's going to take place? Why? Because what he's about to describe here, from the time Adam sinned, the unregenerate man has always practiced these things. So he wouldn't need to say, well, perilous times, hard to take is going to come with these behaviors that I'm about to read here. Alright, verse 2. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, 
traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying his power, and such people, and from such people turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now I'll stop right there. So these are things that are going to take place in the church. And actually, we're seeing these things today. Right? So we know that in the last, Paul was in the last days. Timothy was in the last days. We're in the last days. Right? So being hard to take, this is why we have to be careful sometimes when we see Christians that may be a little weak in the faith. When they see the world going on, they see uh, things taking place in churches, when they see somebody and Christians cheering, saying, when they hear that, uh, you know, it's time out for turning another cheek, it doesn't work. Well, how can we say that the Word of God doesn't work? That will cause some believers to get weary, right, and upset. But what we have to do is we have to encourage them. That The Bible warns us of these times, right? The Bible warns us of these times, and guess what? Jesus says what? In John, in the Gospel of John, for us to be of good cheer, right? For us to be in good cheer. Why? Because all this is mapped out. He, he's laid it out for us so we don't have to be caught by surprise. Right. So neither does a weak Christian, and I'm saying weak, weak in the faith, that may be shaken by these things. They don't have to be shaken. We can encourage them. Amen. We can be in blessings to them. We don't need to talk about them. We don't need to say, well, oh, you're weak in faith. No, we need to encourage them. Because it doesn't mean that they don't love the Lord. Because Paul describes these things. that There are going to be Christians that are, that are weak in the faith and there's going to be some that are strong. But it's our job for those who are mature in the faith to, to be an encourager to those who may be weak in the faith. Amen. Now, I'm not talking about those Christians that are falling under these things, who are, who are boasters, proud, who are lovers of money. We see that with the prosperity movement. We see that in the church today. These, these ministries are popping up all over the place. And, like I said, they stick together. They stick together. They, they're like a flock of geese. They don't separate from one another. Why? Because they're all manipulating the same thing. And it, they're not being led by the Spirit of God, but they're being led by their flesh. Because these are all things that the flesh craves for. Desires and things like that. See, our flesh... See, what happens is when you have someone like this, they're no different than the unsaved person out in the world. Because the unsaved person... What, you think about it, when we're younger, we, we, we basically get conditioned to want to get rich get money, and things like that, right? So we say, oh, when I get older, I'm going to have this, I'm going to have this house, I'm going to have this car, and things like that. And then once we start working, we get our first job, we see the taxes coming out, we're like, well, how's this going to be possible? Right? So we have, you know, but those are all things working for. There's nothing wrong with that per se, but we have to seek after God, those things. And it's not that God can't bless the Christian believer with those things, but that shouldn't be priority. So, it's like I said before, whether God blesses us with those things or not, He's still God. He still has to be on the throne in our lives. And see, when we do things, when we do these things, these boasters, proud, blasphemous, and we're disobedient and all those things, and we, we deform our bodies, and we wanna, we're born a male and we want to become a female, we're actually worshiping ourselves. That's right. We're worshiping a creature more than the creator. That's right. And that is dangerous. That is dangerous. You think we might have lost Marie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we might need to call her back. <laughs> 
Amen. Alright. So there's a war going on 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 East on, on, on all of us. So James 4, 17, you don't have to turn, I'm gonna read it. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. I think Marie touched on it Wednesday, where we have to be careful because um to walk the walk, it is it's not it's not um a lot of people, you know, we become Christians, and it's it's not an easy walk. It's not an easy walk. It, it can be hard, especially in this us living in this world, to walk this Christian walk. And see, we, we think it's easy sometimes when we come there, because when we first get saved, everything is good. <laughs> and, and, and then the reality of life starts to set in, and things like that. But we have to be careful of those things. So it's easy to talk the talk, to talk something. It's easy to think about something, but it's a, it's a whole nother game to walk the walk. And, and that is where we have to rely on the strength of the Holy Spirit who comes inside of us, who fills us, who keeps us. And we have to, we cannot walk this walk without the Holy Spirit. And see, that's why well, there's a lot of churches out there that don't even acknowledge the Holy Spirit. And, and you'll see churches like that. The people in there, they're bound in their flesh. They're doing things. I, I, I see people who, who confess Christ, but they're bound in drunkenness. That, that shouldn't be. Right? But when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, He takes away those desires. Now, there's certain things, like I said, we can't do. So, if you're a recovering alcoholic, you shouldn't be going out hanging at the bar. You shouldn't be hanging around people who are drinking. Right? Mm -hmm. So, you have to be careful of those things. It's wisdom. In that aspect. Amen. See, that goes back to Philippians 2. We have to work out our own salvation. Right. We can't leave it up to God and say, hey. God. And see, that's what we do. We pick scriptures out that will make it easy for us. Right? And, and that's what the church has become today. You know, we, we find these scriptures and then we overlook the hard ones. Right? We, we overlook the ones that say to be holy. Right? And, and we want these ones that say, you know, oh, God loves us. Right? But we have to be careful of that. Right? Yeah, he does love us, but he doesn't love what we do. Amen. And see, we have to be careful because what happens is we think that, see, when we read the Old Testament, we automatically assume when somebody did wrong, God struck them down. And then we think today, because we say Jesus Christ come and, and we're born again, and we're, if we do something or we practice something and we're getting away with it, we're good. Right? Well, God knows, I'll just repent, and I keep asking for forgiveness each time I do it. There's a problem with that, right? Because, actually, that is God's judgment with him uh, allowing us or the world to continue in their sin. That's his judgment. Mm. All right, so before we go to, because uh, we're going to go to Romans 1, but uh, Romans, you can turn to Romans 8, though. I'll read it, there's only two verses. So Romans uh, chapter 8. I'm going to read chapter, excuse me, yeah, Romans chapter 8, I'm going to read verse 8 and verse 13. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And verse 13 says this, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So, that goes back again to crucifying our flesh. Matthew chapter 7 says this, y'all can turn to Romans chapter 1. But if you're taking notes, you can write Matthew 7, uh, 17 through 20. So Matthew chapter 7, verse 17 says this, Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, 
but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. So, what is bad fruit? Now, we know if we go to the grocery store, we're not going to pick up bad fruit, right? We're going we're gonna to look for good fruit, right? Why? So, bad fruit is the works of the flesh. So, if you say you're a born-again believer and you're committing and practicing these works of the flesh, then you're not hooked up to the true vine. Because Jesus talks about in John 15 that he is the true vine. So guess what? If there's a true vine, for him to say there's a true vine, that means there must be some false vines. <laughs> yeah, there must be some false vines. And see, that's what we have to be careful of because the false vines will not talk about sin. False vines will want you to stay in your flesh. And they're not of God, and they're coming from Satan. Yeah. All right, so uh, Romans chapter 1. So I'll begin at verse 24. <clears throat> Romans chapter 1 verse 24 says this, Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lusts of their hearts, to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, who was blessed forever. Amen. So, stop right there. So, we know the world is growing darker and darker. And I just read in 2 Timothy 3 that there's going to be perilous times. Okay? So, it's not God's mercy. Well, it is. It, it is God's mercy that still allows us to live. Because he's hoping that man will repent and come to him. But it is also his judgment that will continue to allow man to continue in his sin. So, why does he do that? So let's jump up uh, before that, uh, verse 18. <clears throat> For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and, unrighteous, and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in, in unrighteousness. So, real quick, ungodliness means wickedness, lack of reverence. So, that lack of reverence is a, a, is a, a lack of not having the fear of God. Alright, so unrighteousness means deed violating laws of justice. So they're suppressing the truth, which is the word of God, on how we're supposed to carry ourselves, how we're supposed to live. Now, Paul here is actually speaking to speaking about the unsaved people. So he's speaking about the Gentiles out there who are not saved. But we're, we're gonna we're gonna keep reading, uh, and then we're gonna go over to chapter two here in a minute. Alright, verse 19. Because that Excuse me. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power in Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were unthankful, but became futile, which means idolatrous, in their thoughts. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. And changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man. And birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. So when we practice the works of the flesh, God will allow us to keep going. He, he will allow man to keep going. 
Why? Because they're in a judgment. They're in a judgment. They will be judged in that. So this is his wrath being poured out now, where he continues to allow man to keep going. All right, so let's jump down to verse 26. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions, for even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also, the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. So this goes back to what I said at the beginning about the conscience. Okay? So you have people who are professing, who, who are professing to be saved, but they're doing what Paul is speaking against here. Right? Men with men, women with women. God didn't create us for that. Right? So again, when they do those things, they're worshiping themselves. Verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do things which are not fitting. So that word undebased means unfit, not standing the test, not approved. Verse 29. Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness, they are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, proud, boasters, Inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful, who, knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Alright, so let's jump over to uh, chapter 2 real quick, first, first few verses, then we're going to come back and I'm going to go over some of these, uh, and give some definitions to some of these that we just read. Alright, so, real quick, so Paul, actually now, so we got to remember, Romans 16 chapter is a letter, right? So it wasn't broken down to a letter, so it's a continuation, that's what Romans chapter 2 is. So he's talking about the Gentiles, and what the Jews were doing is, they were judging them and saying, well look, they're going to go to hell, they're deserving of death for their issues, right? So we have to be careful of that, right? And that's where, even as, that's why one of the fruit of the Spirit is for us to show mercy, to be merciful. To, you know, to be loving of those things because we don't know who's going to get saved or when they're going to get saved. Amen. And see, we, we, we judge people by what they do and we have to be careful of that because it doesn't matter if they're a murderer, it doesn't matter if they're a rapist, it doesn't matter if they're uh, a thief, uh, molesting kids, God can still save them. And see, we, we, we group some because... We'll view somebody that's molesting kids one way in comparison to somebody that may have committed murder. Because, and, and I've seen people, excuse me, I've seen, I've heard people talk like that. Well, no, I, I will never, no, it's not for us to do that. God is the judge. God is the ultimate judge. And so is his word. Alright, so I'm going to read uh, chapter 2. And then, um, but I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation because sometimes Romans can be difficult to understand from the King James. So I want to make sure everybody understands it. All right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So what Paul is, I'm about, what I'm about to read, Paul is saying, like I just talked about, that, you know, we can't judge them because basically just because you're a Jew and they're Gentiles, don't think that you're special. This applies to the church as well. Don't think because we're Christian you know, we've been born again, that just because they're unregenerated, they're doing these works of the flesh, 
that it's okay for us to do the works of the flesh and we're okay. Why we judge them out there? No, we can't do that. So, but Paul here is specifically speaking about the Jews, but I'm attributing to also the church. All right, begin at verse 1. You may think, and I'm, again, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. You may think you can condemn such people, but you are just as bad, and you have no excuse. When you say they are wicked and should be punished, you are condemning yourselves. For you who judge others do these very same things. And we know that God in his justice will punish anyone who does such things. Since you judge others for doing these things, why do you think you can avoid God's judgments when you do the same things? Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? But because you are stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin, you are storing up ter terrible punishment for yourself. For a day of anger is coming. Excuse me. For a day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will judge everyone according to what they have done. He will give eternal life to those who keep on doing good, seeking after the glory and honor and immortality that God offers. But he will pour out his anger and wrath on those who live for themselves, who refuse to obey the truth and instead live lives of wickedness. So, as Christians, we're not exempt just because we're born again. We're not exempt to go out and be drunk and things like that. And it's like I said before a while back, uh, I guess it was a few weeks ago, but even being tipsy is still drunkenness. Right? So you have to be careful of those things. So I gave the example last time that what? If you're tipsy and you go out, you drink and drive, you get pulled over, you're still getting a ticket. Right? So we have to be careful of those things and the things we do. So it's not okay for us to go out and fornicate and things like that because you do have Christians that are out there. Matter of fact, I read an article uh, probably about two or three weeks ago. Now this was from a Christian person that was saying that it's okay for people, for Christians, to fornicate. To, to, yeah, yeah. And he was saying that that word didn't mean that back then. And I'm not going to talk about fornicate today, but I am going to get to it uh, maybe next week. <laughs> We're going to go into that definition, but I don't see what else is, uh, that's the sign. I'll take it, yeah. I don't see what else um, it, it, it can be when we look at it in, in its original. All right, so let's turn back to our, uh, chapter 1. Alright, so I just want to read some of these real quick. So I'll start at 29. Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness. So wickedness means evil purposes, a desire to harm someone. So this could be something physically. It can also be something verbally. See, so we can have Christians, especially leaders in the church, that commit wickedness. When you're trying to harm somebody. Because I, I, I've seen where people do things, well, excuse me, pastors, they do things to try to cut somebody off or something. And that's still a form of wickedness. And you have to be careful of that. That's the works of the flesh there. Right? So covetousness, I think we all know what that is, being greedy, having a desire to have more. And guess what? This can also apply to church and pastors as well. I gotta have more people, I gotta have a bigger building, I gotta have this, I gotta have that. That's covetousness, right? We're coveting things like that. And see, 
if we if we weren't in this Asian society where we have these television ministries that are so big, most pastors wouldn't even be thinking about that. They wouldn't be thinking about. It. So we have to be careful not to cover things, whether it's cars, whether it's houses, and things like that. We have to be careful of that. All right. So maliciousness, full of envy. Envy. This is one of those secret sins, right? So sometimes you can't see. Now you can see the action sometimes, and we see this because envy actually put Jesus to death. Because Pilate said what? He knows for their envy is why they were trying to persecute Jesus. So envy is a dangerous thing. So, but it is also a secret sin because it can be hidden. And, but envy can cause you to do things that you don't want to do. And this goes back to what I said about Herod last week. That the devil will look for the weakness in us to try to monopolize that. And we have to be careful with that. Amen. Alright. Murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness, they are whisperers. So what, what's a whisperer? A whisperer is, in the Greek, is the person who slanders in secret behind others' backs. They make false and defamatory statements about someone. I don't know if you'll ever experience that, but I experienced that in the church. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Backbiters. A backbiter is a slanderer who damages the good reputation of someone. Experienced that recently. <laughs> Haters of God. Haters of God is showing a lack of respect, fear toward God. So showing a lack of respect and a lack of fear of God. So not having that reverential fear. Also, a hate of God, in my opinion, now this, this wasn't in the Greek, this is my opinion, can be someone who lies on God, says God's telling me this, or someone that's over-exaggerating the story. That fall on the hate of God, in my opinion. Alright? Violent. This means physical abuse. It also means verbally abusive. Alright? It could be physical or verbal. Proud. Thinking to be above others while depressing others. That's, that's prevalent in church. That's prevalent among Christians. Thinking I'm, I'm better than you. Boasters. Boaster is an empty, means an empty pretender or a bragger. Someone bragging. I told it before how sometimes people get together and they'll try to, one person will give a testimony and be sincere and somebody else will come up and try to outdo that testimony. Alright? That's a boaster. That shouldn't be. These are things that should not be taking place among Christians. Inventors of evil things. That just means a creator of wicked things. Disobedient to parents, which means not compliant, stubbornly, stubbornly disobedient to parental authority. Do I need to slow down? Okay. Undiscerning. Undiscerning means stupid. Lack of common sense. <laughs> I, and you know what? That undiscerning can also be with those who are hyper-spiritual. Everything is, you know, Holy Spirit telling me this, Holy Spirit telling me this. No, you have to use some common sense. You have to use some common sense. And like I said, Holy Spirit is not speaking to us that much like that. Okay? So, again, if anybody's doing that, just tune them out. Right? They're not hearing from God. I don't care what, what, what. Nobody's hearing from God that much. All right. Well, what else? Untrustworthy. Untrustworthy means not agreeing to. Faithless. People not. Oh, okay. Untrustworthy. Now, we see today in our society... People don't stay at jobs long, right? 
People don't be committed to jobs. Now they get, you know, people get jobs where some people consider them career jobs, but they won't stay. Especially on our younger generations, you know, those that are in their twenties and early thirties, they're gone. Right? That's a form of untrustworthiness. Because they're not coming into agreement. They're breaking a contract. Unloving. Unloving means unsociable. Not behaving sociably in the company of others. Unforgiving. Not able to be appeased. Hostility. Unmerciful means... Uh, merciful. Merciless. Excuse me. So, we have to be careful of these things. And see, I, I read these things. Like I said, Paul was describing the world when he talked about these things in Romans chapter 1. But these are all things that we can see in the church today. And... That's why I read 2 Timothy chapter 3, because these are things that were going to be prevalent in the church that Paul knew by the Spirit of God. That's what he warned Timothy about. And, and see, when we see these things, we can become discouraged, no matter how long we've been saved, no matter how mature we are, especially when we see leaders in the church that fall. And, but these are all things that are going to take place. And it's not surprising, but this is where... You know, Jesus said what? His angels are going to come back to separate the, the wheat from the tares. Right? So just because someone is talking something, are they walking it? And if they're not walking it, and they're practicing these words. I, I have people at work, and I, I know I said this on Wednesday night, and I, I'll say it here, and they may see this, but that's okay. <laughs> but I have people at work where they're scared to come to church. Right, the scared church, because there are um, people at my job, officers who are ministers, who are in the ministry, and they act worse than the sinners. I, you know, I got one where, you know, they'll they'll acknowledge being a deacon, and they curse more than the unsaved people. And then when you have somebody that wants to be sincere and come to church, and they see that, and I, they say this to me, it's hard for me to trust. Because they've broken that trust. They're out there sleeping around on their spouses. And they're doing things. But yet, they're at work professing to be Christians. These things ought not to be. So, that's why I always say, I cringe at work when I hear somebody say they're a Christian. Now, I, you can say it all you want to, but I'm going to watch the fruit. <laughs> I'm going to watch the fruit. Because it's going to be it, either your behavior, your words... Your, your actions, your eyes, they're going to give it away. They're going to give it away. And see, and, and I don't expect all of you to, to be previous, but me being an investigator and having training, I, I can pick up on stuff even by people's words and how they talk that, that, that will show me stuff about that. So, y'all can still talk to me freely. <laughs> but, it's true. You pick up on these things. And, 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 it, and it's like, you know, it is scary times that we're in because the church is supposed to be the light and the salt. And it's getting darker and darker. And it's, it's like I said, the church are the ones, they're out there working side by side with people protesting and, and all into the politics and the political things. And those are things that shouldn't be, right? We should be living holy and consecrated lives not walking and living out the things of the flesh. And the thing about it is we're lacking a fear of God in the body of Christ now. And that shouldn't be. And we're lacking a fear because we're not speaking on these things. We're speaking on everything but holiness and living right for God. And then we get to where 
well, we, and we can't say before God, well, I didn't know. I didn't know. Especially if you're a confessing believer and you're going to church. Because we have the Bible. We have the Bible. So, that's why I say when people say certain things, I tell people, you know, go to the Word. See what the Word says. Because, it's like I've been saying, we've been getting taught church wrong for a long time. We've been getting taught things and we're thinking it, we were thinking it was scriptural, and we come to find out it's not scriptural once you read the Bible. And that's why it's good, even when we've been going through these chapters on Wednesday, we're seeing things on how God was establishing things, even in the Old Testament, to establish the foundation. Right? Jesus didn't come to abolish those things. Amen. No. Amen. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. But we overlook those things, and like I said before, you know, you got churches that won't even read the Old Testament. See, when you read the Old Testament, you learn, <laughs> you learn that fear of God. Because you, you know that His wrath is coming. His wrath is coming. And guess what? None of us are promised tomorrow. None of us are promised tomorrow. And it's easy for all of us to get caught up in, oh, I'm going to wake up tomorrow. I'm going to wake up tomorrow. Tomorrow. It's easy for us to do that, right? But none of us are promised tomorrow. Amen. And we want to make sure that our hearts are right. Yes, yes. And not giving in and not going according to what the standard of the church is doing today. Because if we do that, then guess what? We won't inherit the kingdom of God. And we'll be in trouble with that. And, and that's a fearful thing. To, to think that, like I said, it's a waste of time for people to come to church but still live in the world. You, you, you're wasting your time. Yeah. Just, just, just go out there. because God, God, Jesus said in Revelation, cold or hot, right? So, yeah. he, he, go be cold. Don't yeah. be lukewarm. Coming in the, in the house of God. You just wasting your time. You could be watching the game, <laughs> going to the movies, or something else instead of wasting your time. <laughs> you better be hot. <laughs> Amen. Because God's holiness is nothing for us to take for granted. Yes, the blood of Christ covers us. If we mess up, we confess our sins, and it's good to feel that cutting. But the fact that we have Christians that could continue to go and practice, practice, practice wrongdoings, and they're not being cut, something's wrong with that. Something's wrong with that. Stop there. Amen. Amen.